Welcome to this week's Like a Bigfoot podcast. I'm your host, Chris Ward. This week, uh, I have Travis Steffen back on the show and for the fourth time, an unprecedented fourth time, <laughs> which he's actually been on way more than that. I was trying to like add it up last night because he was on the Monument Valley race report uh, in which he re- ran 50 miles on no training. So yeah, man, if you haven't gone back and listened to any of the episodes previous with Travis, uh, just to kind of a brief description, he he's been my best friend since high school, but really in all honesty, he's more than that to me. He's uh, I'm an only child, so I grew up no brothers and sisters, and I have to say Travis is definitely, I would consider him a brother at this point. He's the guy I call when... I'm trying to work out some problem. I'll give him a call. He, he's he's the dude I'll talk to when I'm just in need for hours of entertainment. Because if you've heard him on the show before, you know that all I have to do is ask him like one question and then he'll go off on like a 50 minute tangent uh, that will entertain me to no end. Uh, yeah, man. So he's one of the people I call, you know, when you're trying to think about something, when you're trying to come up with a solution to some sort of problem and you have those people in your life who just offer really solid advice and people who ask you questions that really help you contemplate, you know, how, how you're doing, (laughs) you know what I mean? I guess he's, he's just a, he's just an awesome dude. And I love talking to him. Um, in this episode, we kind of focus on his time as an MMA fighter. Um, back when he was 17, he started going for a while. He went to Pat Militich's gym in Davenport, Iowa, which was pretty close to our hometown. And to it was one of the world-class fighting gyms at the time. But I just, I, I can't wrap my head around being a 17-year-old going to a gym where grown men are just beating each other up and having the bravery to start training. Um, I know from my experience, I did <laughs> I did a Muay Thai class uh, for a few months in Des Moines. And I remember the first time going to that was terrifying because I'm like, I have no idea what I'm doing. I look foolish, you know, and you just get that feeling of like, everybody's looking at me thinking how stupid I look. Um, which is a very selfish thought because chances are no one's actually thinking that. And if they are, they're probably just thinking, oh, this is what I look like when I started too. Um, and so anyways, in the in the conversation you're about to listen to, we talk about that. Um, and really what, what I try to explore every time Travis is on is his mindset. Because I feel like Travis and I have developed a very similar mindset when it comes to achieving certain goals and so that mindset is like not uh not being afraid of failure understanding that consistency and just a persistent hard work uh is gonna get you to eventually accomplish the goal um and it's it's interesting to me because i feel like we're very similar in ways but we're very different in many ways as well but when it comes to that mindset we're extremely similar. So, and just, (laughs) I'm sitting here right now and I'm looking 
at my cat and my cat has been constantly just sitting in my office chair. So every time I want to sit down and do anything on my computer, I have to pick him up. Like, honestly, he does that for like 20 some hours every day. And so I'm watching him and now he's in this like bookshelf. I don't know how he's fitting in there. He's a pretty big cat, but he's like fit himself into this bookshelf. And it's just reminding me of what Travis and I spent the weekend talking about. And just to give you an idea of the kind of person he is and his like never give up, never say die attitude. He called me uh, from a road trip with his girlfriend. They're moving up to Vancouver uh, for a few months and they're all in an RV and they're in an RV with a dog and a couple cats. And Travis calls me in a near panic and he's like, dude. I think I accidentally let her cat out and we're in Tacoma, Washington, and we're supposed to, you know, be on the road to Vancouver. And uh, and he's calling me freaking out. He's like, dude, what did you do? Like, have, has your cat ever gotten out? Like, what do you do? Blah, blah, blah. Anyways, long story short, this is the kind of guy that would spend 40 hours, four zero hours searching for a cat and literally eliminating all options so he did everything you possibly can do when looking for a cat everything and i'm not exaggerating here he was calling people up he was having like cat searchers um it's just this never say quit attitude and the whole like if i try everything and it still doesn't work out then i will have no regrets because i've tried everything to accomplish this goal and in this case it was to find a cat and i'm amazed and happy to say after 40 hours of searching and staying in tacoma which 99.999 percent of people would not have stick stuck around they would have probably given up um and after sticking around for that long they finally found the cat and got the cat back and I'm just, I was stunned, man. I was talking to him and, you know, I had a little bit of pessimism at the certain point of like, dude, I don't know if you're going to find it. It's been like a day and a half at this point. Um, and I wasn't telling him that cause I was trying to be like, yeah, man, I'm sure like this is all going to work out because in general, I do like to try to be as optimistic as possible, but there was some serious doubt creeping in, but he stuck it through and never gave up and tried everything you possibly could try so he could live his life with no regrets. And I just think that's an amazing story. And, you know, it's it's just that story illustrates Travis Steffen in a nutshell. Um, so, yeah, anyways, I hope you guys enjoy the podcast. We also learned about why Travis went to Thailand back like 10 years ago. Um and I have to tell you, it involves a pretty crazy story. And we've been promising it on the podcast for the previous three times he was on. And I finally got him to tell it. So, uh, yeah, hope you guys enjoy. Um, if you like this one, this is your first time listening to the Like a Bigfoot podcast, please go back on iTunes or wherever you can find our library, SoundCloud. Uh, look through them. I guarantee you, you guys will find an episode or a guest that... Uh, that you'll enjoy or that you'll find fascinating. We've had a lot of really fascinating people on the show. Um, and, you know, if you like Travis, go back. He's been on a bunch of other episodes. So I would recommend the Monument Valley's race report number two because that was my favorite. 
I think that might be my favorite episode of the podcast still, just because I get to hear a story about how my friend um, just went through a massive amount of pain and suffering <laughs> to <laughs> finish the race, uh, finish a 50 miler. So uh, that's number 32. That would be my recommendation. So uh, anyways, guys, I hope you enjoy. So let's start Like a Bigfoot podcast number 97 with Travis Steffen. Hey man, <laughs> I want to ask you, I wrote hey. down one question Hello. for this podcast. Oh, by the way, this is Travis Stephan. Okay. <laughs> hey everybody. Um, has your armpit ever chafed? Uh, yeah, if I don't shave them, they, they do a lot actually. Oh my God, dude, you just gave me gold. So, because <laughs> I forgot for a second that you shave, like literally you're a guy with like super long hair down to your shoulders. You have a giant mountain man beard most of the time. And yet every, yep. like your legs, your arms, like all that stuff you shave. I, okay. So let me give a little bit of context. I did that and oh. I've been mandated to not do that anymore because the girl that i'm dating loves my body hair so i'm now i'm now unable to do that okay anymore although i would prefer to do that so why, why? there's that compromise okay let's let's trace this back to the origin what started it because i feel like the origin of you shaving all your body hair um actually goes into something i want to talk about today athletic okay okay um well the origin initially was when i first started doing brazilian jiu-jitsu okay when i was 17 at at the military training center in bettendorf iowa and i was like the mats like you get your hair pulled and you get like things get in your hair and and it sucks and and if you are a little bit more slippery if you're not as good at jujitsu or grappling in general, it's kind of just easier to like slip out of things. And I was, you know, getting destroyed by a bunch of former college, like Iowa university of Iowa wrestlers and like things like that. And, um, so I was like, any advantage I can get, then I'm going to take. And, um, so yeah, <laughs> that's, uh, you know, that was the origin and I just kind of kept doing it. Um, I did like a couple triathlons, so I could I could say that's a reason, but it's not actually a reason. I just kind of enjoyed it and <laughs> continued doing it. Did so. you Did you ever use it? Did you ever use the fact like if anyone asked you like, "Hey, man, where's all your leg hair?" Were you like, "Oh, I'm doing a I'm doing a triathlon in a few months"? Like, did you ever use that no. as like a cop out? <laughs> no, I just said that I I. I mean, I would say like this is when I started doing it, and then I I did some triathlons, but for the most part, I would just be like, that's when I started doing it, and then I just liked it. <laughs> so I mean, I always I always got asked by by people that were like, you shave your legs? Oh my god! And I'm like, come on, man! Like it's I don't know. I mean, people do weirder things than that. I think in my experience yeah do weirder things than that definitely well and so. here's what here's what i love and if you haven't heard travis on the show before like 
you've been Travis has been my best friend since like middle of high school. And the one thing and I kind of want to dig into like the Travis Stefan philosophy, I guess today, like what are some cornerstones of your philosophy? Because I feel like me and you have really similar like we're really similar in a lot of ways. Um, But I agree. the, The thing that I've always looked up to you for is you've been willing to kind of step outside the norm and like follow your own path. Like no one, you know, you can never be accused of having a path laid out for you. And you just take that. Like you've always been like, you've always done things that at first people think about. And they're like, that's insane. Like even something as little as like, I remember in high school, you were the first person I knew who did yoga. And I was like, why would you do yoga? What is that? Yeah. You know? And then it, it morphed from there into your love of MMA and like UFC and, and mm-hmm. not only did you okay. just you were the first person I knew who watched it, but also you were just like, oh, hey, we have one of the top UFC camps like at the time in Davenport, Iowa or Benton North, Iowa. So I'm going to go there and like see how this goes, see how this works out and like train there. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, I'm, I've always had also I'll, I'll say it like this. I've always had a massive bias for action. Um, you know, a lot of people will say, I really would like to start a business. Um, but they don't ever actually do it. A lot of people would say, I I would really love to compete in bodybuilding or to run an ultra marathon or to climb a mountain or to, you know, go live in Thailand or something like that. And they don't actually ever do it. And I'm kind of the one that, that kind of goes beyond that and, and, so if if somebody were to be, if I were to be like, I would really like to start an organic vegan ice cream shop made of octopus tentacles. The first thing I would do is look up where to buy octopus tentacles and how to make that vegan. I, like, yeah, you know? I would question how you would make that vegan. <laughs> mm-hmm. Bad example, but you know what I mean. Like, I, yeah, the first thing I would do is look it up, and then I would probably buy like a couple thousand dollars worth of vegan octopus tentacles which and... is not a thing people listening out there no yet <laughs> oh oh man <laughs> um yeah so you here's my here's what i want to dig into a little bit because you were like 17 and you went to pat Militich's you like mma camp like mm-hmm. what was that like man Terrifying. Um, I did not have a, like a background in wrestling or anything like that. And I was so starstruck because I basically spent every dollar that I had in the world on like UFC and pride fighting championships, DVDs. And I watched every single fight and basically had every DVD and I watched every single fight and I was obsessed with MMA like it was my entire life yeah I remember I read your literature we were in the same literature class and I proofread mm -hmm. yours and it was the history of MMA or of history of UFC and you kept using the same sentence over and over again (laughs) and I still remember best fighters in the world (laughs) you're like the the best athletes in the world world. like you kept saying that and I was like should I tell him should I like make a note (laughs) (laughs) 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's kind of one of those things where, um, <laughs> like, I I don't know. I mean, I um, I was just like, it was there was nothing else that existed at the time for me. Like, it was I was so I remember walking into the library. You might not remember this. I was I walked into the library in high school, so mad because <laughs> Tito Ortiz got dropped from the UFC. Do you remember this? I, I kind of do. It's ringing a bell. I told you this, and you were like, "What? Like, it's like what? who's Tito Ortiz?" <laughs> you're like, who, "Who cares? Like, this is just ridiculous." Um, <laughs> So, but I was like, I was so emotionally invested in this, in this, like in this sport, it was like my whole life. And so I was like, okay, I'm going to do the scariest thing possible. And I'm going to go start like doing this. I'm going to go start like, it was the best gym in the world at the time. They had all the world champions and, um, it was a half hour away from where we grew up. And so, you know, I was like, I'm going to go try to, to do this thing that I, was obsessed with and I equal parts fell in love with it and grew to hate it at the same time. Really? Because it was like, I, I like it consumed me completely and it also put me through so much physical pain and like, there are some people who just love fighting and I didn't love fighting. Like I didn't, I loved watching and dissecting and learning about, fighting and, and analyzing it and um talking about it but i didn't actually love competing I, I enjoyed training and and um that sort of thing but i just did not enjoy competing it was kind of similar to football in a way but i didn't really like football practice yeah i didn't have fun in football practice but i i really enjoyed mma like practicing mma i didn't really enjoy the actual fight um some people love it. Some people just like are obsessed with it. But I, I, I wasn't like a huge, a huge fan. Um, but I was also in it for kind of like the wrong reasons. I wanted to be famous. You know, I was searching for some sort of external validation, some semblance of significance in my life. And in the environment where we grew up, it was like um, the alpha male was rewarded heavily socially. You know, in, in social circles, it was that was the top of the food chain. And for whatever reason, I my unconscious mind just really wanted to climb to the top of the social hierarchy. Um, in later years, I, I kind of found it was because I started at the bottom of it when I was a, a younger kid. Um, just like a nerdy kid with Coke bottle glasses. And, you know, I came from a family that didn't have a ton of money. And um, all my friends were rich and great athletes and like had girlfriends and things like that. And I, I didn't know how to talk to girls and getting pushed down on the bus a lot and i was like i need to figure this out and something deep in my body was like i need to i need to become more confident in myself and the only way i knew how to do it was to mirror who was at the top of the social hierarchy at the time and that was like just another another embodiment of that um and that sort of phenomenon lived in my life for many, many years after that. And maybe even to some degree still does today, but yeah. nowhere near as, as, as prevalently as it once did because of the awareness around it. Um, but that was why I, I wanted to play football. It was like, I, I, I didn't want to play football cause I enjoyed football. I wanted to play football cause I wanted to go to the NFL and 
be rich and famous and important and yeah you know but we yeah so we've explored that in the past but like i feel like i'm your therapist travis (laughs) (laughs) because i just like leaned back in my chair you know i don't have a notepad though but um we've explored that in the past but like i guess here's my point is you just like any of us we've all we're all on a journey you know of self-discovery and some of us are more aware of the fact that it's a journey and some people are just along for the ride um and these events like trying to do college football um showing up at pat militich is like those are super important like looking back you're like yeah man i was just trying to be become like this rich and famous like athlete i guess but um but it's important that you went through that to become like who you are now does that make sense yeah and and honestly like i'm so glad that it went the way it did because um if it hadn't i wouldn't have the bias to action that i have that has served me so incredibly well in the rest of my life um because most people have fear of giving up a safe situation that they have um in order to do this thing that they actually really want to do yeah and i think um what's served me well since then is knowing like having the capability to go from nothing to something like knowing that you have that in you makes you a lot more immune to risk yeah you know definitely well and so let's i just i'm super curious because we've never really i've never asked you a lot about pat milicic's um Mm -hmm. we obviously we did the everest workout which is literally just doing squat jumps up yeah up the stairs of a stadium for like so that's actually not oddly enough that's not a milicic workout i actually brought that workout to milicic oh really That, that was something that i brought to milicic uh in my undergraduate um internship that i did there um, that was a workout that I learned, uh, from my, my college strength coach, Jed Smith at UNI. That was something that we put, oh my, okay, here's a question for you before I reveal this. Okay. What sport do you think was the most difficult sport strength training wise at the university of Northern Iowa? Like who do you think we put through more hell than anyone else? I what, would... what athletes guess and because you're asking it in a way that's like it might be less obvious uh-huh. but just like in general when i look at athletes and who uh, like absolutely amazes me with their uh-huh. strength their flexibility their mobility all of that is uh gymnasts so that'd be my guess gymnastics mm-hmm. well you might be correct if we had a gymnastics team <laughs> because because like that, like that's probably true that uh, I mean, like Ido Portal always put it the the most elegant way possible. Um, those kids can do what you can do just as good as you, but you can't do what they can do at all. Um, <laughs> so I, if if we had a gymnastics team there, that might be true. We did not have a gymnastics team there, so I'll give you one more guess. Like, okay. who would you say? Well, now I'm like, what kind of teams did you have at you and I? <laughs> most most of the other like major sports. Okay um shoot man i don't want to sound i don't want to sound stupid (laughs) 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 which is why i've never gone on like a game show right um (laughs) you know what travis one time i watched jeopardy 
and uh -huh. all the categories were specifically designed for me. This happened one time and I answered every freaking question right. It was like it was like a old school professional wrestler. Old school professional wrestling. <laughs> it was like middle school science. 80s hair band. Yep, Iowa you know uh <laughs> mountains i was like oh dude i'm in um okay let me think i don't know. cheerleading okay good guess <laughs> it was women's volleyball really oddly enough yeah we actually so the funny thing is most people would go with football because they're like oh strong people and like blah 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 no that's I mean, like football program was was difficult. That's like, like maintaining mass and like getting a lot of dude, mass. It is, and it's like explosive power, and that's fantastic and whatnot and whatever. Like that's great. Um, most people then go to wrestling, oh, okay. and and you could assume like okay maybe that's true. It's not. Um, women's volleyball. We those the program that the women's volleyball players did at the University of Northern Iowa was absolutely like it was pure brutality like i've i've tried since then to do some of the things that we've we asked those girls to do i still can't do them like i've never been able to do them so the everest workout that we did where you would go up and down the stadium stairs continuous squat jumps 300 in a row we had them do it with a 50 pound weight vest oh my god dude really like dude it was like it, and they did it and they were they did it like once a week it was crazy. And that was that, that one workout. If you remember how your legs felt at the end of it, it felt like they were like balloons that were about to pop. Like you could barely bend your knees cause your quads are so full of blood, you know? Yeah. Um, so I brought that to, to Militich from you and I, when I was an undergrad, um, because some of the strength coaches there showed it to me after I had um, gotten hurt and I was like doing rehab, I was doing my, my rehab for my Achilles tendon and I was like going to become a strength coach at that time. That was like the, the next move for me. Um, and uh, yeah. So, I mean that like, but the workouts that they did at Militich, like they did some hard things, but the biggest thing that they did was just like they went a hundred miles an hour every day, full contact, no breaks, and like tried to like take your head off. Um, it was really a really old school mentality that sometimes you would find in like old school boxing gyms where they were like, we want to weed out the weak people. Um, and we're going to do it by just beating them up. And the people who keep showing up are the ones that make it. And then they eventually get better just by going through more pain than everybody else did. So it wasn't like a really, you know, elite level athlete mentality. It was more like an old school wrestling mentality, like gotcha. an old school, like college wrestling mentality. Cause that was where most of those guys at that time came from. Yeah. So I was, what was it for me because I had never wrestled. Yeah. Like, so when you're a high school kid or whatever, fresh out of high school, I'm trying to remember when you went there for the first time, but mm -hmm. you show up day one. Like what, what is that like? Um, well, like it was me seeing a lot of the guys on TV that I'd seen on TV, um, in person and seeing, okay, these are just guys 
here in this gym working out, trying to get better. They're not these gods that I thought they were because they were on TV. I think we, as, as people see people on TV and we get emotionally invested in a lot of their lives because the storylines that producers create to get you interested in the show. Um, and you start to think that they're like something more than human. And what I found was like, these guys were just guys and they were just dudes that are trying to make a living at the time there was no money in MMA. Like I went to, I remember going, I became pretty close at the time with Jens Pulver, who was the first UFC lightweight champion. And he, I I remember going to his house and meeting his family and meeting his wife and they were incredible, but they, they lived in a house that looked like the house I grew up in. And he had two like UFC world championship belts, like right there as you walk in the door. And I'm like, what? Like this guy is a like a world champion, multiple time world champion, and he's he's living like my parents live. Um, I don't understand, you know. And then we went to his manager's house, Monty. Co- this guy named Monty Cox, and that guy was living in a house from an episode of Cribs. <laughs> that's a ma- and that's- that sounds like a made up manager's name, dude. Like it was so, and it's not like he was like the, the biggest manager for the biggest fighters. Maybe at the time he was a manager for a lot of big fighters. Maybe he still is. I don't know. But he was also like a Midwest fight promoter, and just like he had his hands in a lot of different businesses in the Midwest. And um, anyway, like the the biggest thing that it taught me was, you know, your your athletes a lot of times are like horses in a race. And when you, the general public wants to be the racehorse, like the people watching the race, they want to be the racehorse. The racehorses want to be like the, the people who are putting on the race and the people putting on the race want to be the casino owners that are housing the race. And they're always seeing like one level up and it's not intuitive. You wouldn't think that unless you've been like in that seat, you know? Um, because most people are like, that is the most glamorous thing ever to be a fighter. It's yeah. really not like, it's really not. It's, it's like, um, having a very temporary one-off job. It's like being an actor, I would say, you know, like you're on TV and if you're the best, like a really big time person, you can get some temporary, really high paying gigs. Um, but at any time you can get dropped and, like there's very little security in your job and you're getting paid by somebody else that like, you know, owns the network, or the studio or runs the show or whatever it is. And none of those people are on TV. But as the actor, you see that and you're like, oh man, like I need to be on the other side. Um, so that's what I would liken it to. So like the general public is like, I need to be an actor because these people are important and famous. And like they must have this supreme sense of self worth. In actuality, like the exact opposite is often true. Where and there are exceptions, you know. And I, I'm obviously like dating an actress who is incredible, so I'm not like trying to generalize here. But in that business and in the fight game, you're so often told like you're not good enough, you're too this, you're too that, you're whatever. And it becomes a really difficult um, way to to 
maintain any sense of confidence and self-worth. Um, and it becomes like a, this, this weird dynamic that if you're not careful can, can cause some really unhealthy, you know, patterns in your life. Yeah. What was the original question? I don't really remember what we were talking about. I was kind of just wanting to hear about how you got beat up your first day. <laughs> <laughs> Dude. I mean, like I honestly, I didn't get beat up a whole lot my first day because I was in like the more beginner classes. I yeah. remember though that, um, I emailed somebody asking how I could get started at that gym. And that person, um, forwarded my email to Pat and Pat was like, come on in. And I'm like, holy shit, Pat Mills has just emailed me. Yeah. Whoa. Like that's insane. Cause he's a legend, especially in Iowa. And so I was like, Oh my God, now I have to go. And I obviously bring my dad cause I was afraid. And so my, and my dad was just as starstruck as I was. That's hilarious, and, uh, man. I can imagine so, Don walking up to Pat Militich. Oh, he did. And he like, you know, shook his shook hand. His hand. And my dad like probably went with me every other time I went and just watched yeah. and just like was so interested and had, had, had so much fun just like watching and every once in a while talking to one of the fighters. Cause he and I watched them all like watch fighting together all the time. Um, and so like, it was really interesting to, to go in there and, um, and just like be around the guys that you've seen yeah. on TV so often. One, I think you've hit so. on a couple like really interesting things. And the first one is just, you know, these are professional athletes or whatever. You talked about actors too. I mean, pro- like famous yeah. actors, like at the end of the day, they're just people and they've had to yep. go through this journey to get to where they are too. And like at one point they were just beginning and they probably sucked and probably felt really awkward and weird, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. just like any of us, whenever we start anything new. And I think like when you realize that that's extremely, that's an extremely powerful tool you can use in your life because then you're like, Mm -hmm. Oh, well like I suck right now, (laughs) but, but so did so-and-so and and -and so-and-so and you know, like eventually they became good. So obviously I can become good too um yeah i got pretty like i i in my opinion i got pretty decent yeah at mixed martial arts like i i i won some fights and um i i never got beat um in the cage but i also did you got fight, your ass like, the, kicked though i remember well, going to yeah, it yeah but i won no i, I know still won. i uh, <laughs> do you want to and that was oh sure i can tell that story sure like so it was it was a, I was a, I was supposed to fight a certain guy who like in at the lower levels in uh, or at the lower level pro or higher level amateur MMA like people drop out of fights last second all the time and then just random people that you don't know anything about will just take the fight. <laughs> yeah. So you might train for somebody and then just have to fight somebody else last second. This happens even at the highest levels, but it happens way more often at the lower level pro. Um, which is where I was. And so I basically was supposed to fight somebody who was a grappler. And so I was like, just like doing a lot of that. Um, and then realized, okay, this opponent dropped out. Some other guy stepped in who was a striker. And so and that was like two weeks out. So I was training for that person. And then that person dropped the guy, this random guy just 
showed up, weighed in after weigh-ins were over, so I didn't even see him. Um, and I didn't know anything about him, neither did anybody else. He was just a warm body that they, for all I knew, he was just a warm body that they were going to throw in. I'm like, okay, I'm going to go, I'm going to go out and I'm going to put on a show, give the crowd something fun and just have a good time. And that's what I planned to do. Cause I just assumed that he was some chump. Um, <laughs> what well, turns out he kind of was, but he kind of wasn't like, he wasn't very skilled. No, he was just, he ended up being just really, really tough. <laughs> yeah you were obviously like i remember me and uh our friend shane went to the fight and you were obviously the much more technically skilled fighter but it was like mm-hmm. everything you threw at this guy he just would like it's like remember in old speaking of old school professional wrestling mm-hmm. where hulk hogan would get punched in the face and then he would just like look at him <laughs> Yep, and yep. stare him no, down. That was, that was this guy, and it was like even beyond that. It was like I went out. And I'm like, all right, I'm gonna get just like a showcase knockout from the opening bell, and I came out planning to throw a flying knee, yeah, on the guy's chin and just walk away. And that was how I wanted to win the fight. Yeah. I came out and I threw the most showcase flying knee. It's beautiful. I hit the guy right on the jaw, and he just stood there and looked at me. Like nothing had happened. <laughs> and so I just thought, to, and, and I had actually not, I'd like the couple days before I was like, no, I think it was like a week out. I had my guy drop out and they were like, oh, you're not going to fight because we can't, we can't get anybody to take this fight with you. Um, I'm like, fine. So I didn't do my normal weight cutting routine at the last second. They're like, we found somebody to fight you. I'm like, oh, great. Okay, so I had to cut 20 pounds in 24 hours. It's insane. And I, so my body was just like I I knew that I was I had to knock him out really quickly or it was going to suck. Um and spoiler and alert, so, it sucked. <laughs> yeah, spoiler alert, it sucked. Like <laughs> I did not knock him out really quickly or at all. And um so what ended up happening was the first round, I basically threw every single thing I had this guy, and he just like was not even faced. And he didn't really like. I'll say this: he didn't really hit me all that much. But when he did, it was just completely clean, and I did not get out of the way. And it just it like rocked me. Um, I wasn't like on the verge of getting knocked out or anything like that. But he hit me so cleanly that I had two huge black eyes. Giant. Um, and probably had a concussion. I was so de- dehydrated at the end of it that I thought I was going to get sick. And um, but like the first round, like I, I had him in a guillotine choke, and I picked him up like in this choke, and I had him. I just like picked him up, and he just like just took it. And <laughs> and I'd never seen anybody do that before. I'd never even seen anybody pick someone someone up in a guillotine choke. Like, but I did, and um, and he just like, it was like he wasn't a human being. He was like a statue, <laughs> uh, and I just hit him with so much, and and um, and then I went back to my corner, and I was just so dead tired, I couldn't hear my corner, I couldn't hear them saying anything, and I thought I was gonna die, and I came out in the second round, and I couldn't lift my arms, and so I'm just like so lethargic and couldn't really do anything. And, you know, outpointed in the second and third rounds, but like he did clock me a couple times. Um, 
to the point where I like I did have like two huge black eyes and I won the fight yeah. know, by decision. But holy, holy mother of God, was that that sucked so much. We yelled um, so many times like Travis, pick your put your arms up, dude. <laughs> like, I, oh, I couldn't. You I, were I could, not only could I not do it but i couldn't even hear anybody i couldn't oh, hear yeah. anything you were going rock, full on rocky dude like you know how in rocky, to, he never puts his hands yeah. up <laughs> well and the funny thing is like um listening to your corner is a skill in mma it it really is i mean and it's it's one in boxing too to keep your ears open while you're fighting and i had a couple fighters that i trained and that i cornered that would do a really great job of it and i had a couple that would like do a really poor job. And I remember coaching uh, at the U S amateur nationals and I literally had two fighters. Well, like I'll say this, I had one fighter who basically looked at me every time he did something, I would tell him what to do and he would do it. And then he would look back at me and I would tell him what to do and he would do it. And I would say something like, put your right knee on his chest. And then I'd be like, you know, uh, punch him with your right hand, things like that he would just do exactly what I would say. And he ended up winning the whole tournament. Um, and I had another guy that like he won his first fight and he ended up like breaking his ribs, but like both of them just, you know, like they did exactly what I told them to. There were other guys that would just went in. And as soon as they got hit, their ears started ringing and they just went into like instinct mode. And I was more like that. Yeah. And it's not something that you can really consciously control until you've been there over and over and over again. And I probably had something like 10 fights in my entire career. And it was over the course of 10 years. You know, I didn't have like that much in-ring experience. I was there every single day um, training and learning and becoming a better fighter. But I just really didn't enjoy like actually competing. Yeah. Um, yeah. so I only did enough to have the respect from the guys that I trained to continue to teach them. When you um, were always that, I mean, that was always your, like, you love training and I mean, you still do. You love mm-hmm. working out, you love training, you love learning things. Um, mm-hmm. that's kind of like more of your style. Um, yeah. And I guess before we leave the MMA subject, <laughs> this is the story I've been promising like every episode of this podcast. Um, uh-huh. you went to Thailand for a while and trained, um, I did, but yeah. you went there for, be- there was an incident that happened that kind of sparked, I'm sure it was in your mind before, like, Hey, I should go to Thailand. But the, you know, sometimes in our lives, like a major thing happens that actually is like mm-hmm. the spark that ignites the idea. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, it was. It wasn't like necessarily the thing that was. I I got the idea afterwards. It was the thing that actually made me go do it. Like yeah, then. And that's my idea. Like that's kind of what I'm talking about here. Sometimes, like in the back of our minds, we all have certain goals or like things that we're like, oh, that would be cool to do. But sometimes uh-huh. it takes, you know, some sort of big life event. And unfortunately, a lot of times it's always, it's it might not be like the most positive life event. Uh, uh-huh. that actually sends us towards our goals because you yep. almost need something where you realize like, Oh, life is short. And if I don't do this now, maybe I will never do this and this will be a regret. Yep. Yep. Definitely. So, Oh, where to start. So I was 
in grad school um, trying to get my master's in exercise physiology and biomechanics. And I was, um, I had just turned pro and um, in MMA. And uh, I decided, I was like, okay, you know what? I'm going to go do this triathlon in Cedar Rapids, Iowa. And um, so I went and my parents came to watch me do it and visit and whatnot. So I stayed in the hotel room with my parents the night before the triathlon. I got like a wetsuit and I borrowed a buddy of mine's bike and borrowed his goggles and started the triathlon. And, um, everything that could have gone wrong went wrong. My goggles broke in the middle of the lake and, um, I had two flat tires on the bike. So I was just like pumping my legs like crazy trying to, you know, get this, this bike to go anywhere. And I was just like not moving. So that was interesting. Um, and then what else, you know, it was just one of those days where you're like, ah, oh, this sucks. So you had the flats, you had the swim problem. Yep. Yep. I had the, all those issues. I got done finally with this triathlon <laughs> and my girlfriend breaks up with me over a text message um, at the time. And now this is like a girlfriend how, that I was like planning to live with. And yeah. How quickly did out. that happen after the triathlon? Like, was it immediately? You, like it like was immediately after the triathlon. Yeah. I, I, I texted her that I was done. And she was like, this isn't working. Basically. Like <laughs> that's like, I'm effectively done. how it went. <laughs> She's yeah. like, no, Dude, you're done. I'm done. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh man. So, um, so that was what like just put me in the weirdest mental place that day. Um, and so I went to our buddy Brady Manriquez's apartment cause I was planning on staying with him. We we're going to go out and have some beers and some food no, man. and have a good time. Can I tell you how I remember this? Yes. You were planning on staying with Lindsay and I. Oh, really? But we were driving back from visiting my grandma in Missouri. And so I was, I oh. called you and I was like, Hey man, we're going to be like, it's still going to be like an hour and we'll be, we'll be back then. And we can all go out to eat and do all that stuff. Got it. So I kind of, I've always remembered that because I've felt bad about what, eventually occurred <laughs> oh well yeah so um so i went to brady manriquez's apartment and he was basically like you know what like don't worry about any of this we're gonna go out and have some food and get some beers and we're gonna have a good time and it'll be great and you're gonna forget all about this blah 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 and i'm like cool but let me go change my shirt because I'm sweating like crazy because I'm so upset. And that's just what happened to me at the time. Like I would just sweat, um, <laughs> you know, and, and I'm sure you can tell. I give a little anecdote of how much I used to sweat if you would like to. Oh, yeah, man. So we were lifting partners in high school and Travis, like we'd be doing bench press or I'd be doing bench press and you'd be my spotter. And it was like just... I mean, this is why I feel like we're so bonded because so much sweat just went in my mouth. Like, yeah. So you're was... like part of me. <laughs> yeah. And I always tell people too with bench, speaking of bench press is 
you would always add when you were doing it, you would always add like 20 pounds more than you probably should have. Yep. And so I would end up having to curl up like 20 yep. extra pounds. And I always joked, I was like, this is cause people were like, man, you got muscular. I'm like, yeah, man, it's cause I lift with Travis and I have to yeah, curl a bench press for, for him. So, and as a side note in high school, I wanted nothing more than to be like 245 pounds of hulking muscle. <laughs> I yeah. had to be big. Like, and I had to like that. I just had to, I don't know why in hindsight, if I were to go back and do it all over again, I would stay like lean and lanky and fast. And I would have just like lifted regularly and just focused on speed and become like a receiver and probably done better in college than I did. Yeah. Uh, but as it stands, like I had, I really, really wanted to be big. So I would just like get so frustrated because I couldn't put on weight. Dude. And me and, neither, man. We would eat a ridiculous amount of food. Yep. Even yep. before the games, we would go to Subway. Me and you would go to Subway and get good luck sandwiches. And we would yep. eat them in like one second and kind of mm -hmm. be thinking like, we could definitely eat more now, but we shouldn't because we have to yep. play football. <laughs> yep. So, um, so that was like why Chris got big arms in high school, by the way. <laughs> yeah, man, I would get so mad because people, people would be like, are you on steroids? And I'm like, no, I just work hard. Like it would make me so yeah. mad when you're I'm like, I'm not on steroids. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Seriously. When people would ask Chris, if he was on steroids. He would go into a rage <laughs> and which would like totally like fuel the rumor mill. Yeah. But it like, I was just, it made me so mad. Cause I'm like, I'm doing the honorable thing, which is like working my butt off and like trying hard every single day, like the honorable thing. And then for someone yeah. to be like, Oh, are you just cheating? And like, you know, are you just cheating? And you know, taking a shortcut i'm like no man i'm doing hard work <laughs> well the thing about steroids that i'll say uh-huh right now is when i tore my pcl in high school our, our like athletic trainer at the time was like let me ask you something i need you to be honest with you are you on steroids i'm like bro here's the deal we live in iowa i haven't even seen marijuana like <laughs> where am I going to get steroids? Like, who am I going to ask to get steroids? I've never, I like at that, at that point, I didn't even drink. I'd seen beer obviously, but I hadn't even seen real marijuana at that point. Like it was a really funny kind of place to grow up because we were so sheltered in that way that the idea of doing steroids was like, Hey, have you like tattooed your face? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. You, like, be, like, dropped out of school and joined the circus like it was just the most ridiculous thing anybody had said yeah exactly so, man so going back to the actual story so you're sweating so, profusely on yeah. in brady man i'm like apartment. i need to go go get some girls and they're not gonna like me if i have this like gross sweaty shirt so i'm gonna go down my car get some deodorant and put another shirt on and we're gonna go out to eat and so i did that and I was walking back through the parking garage 3 p.m. on a Sunday afternoon in Iowa City, That's Iowa, an where important, no crime happens. It was 3 p.m. 
yeah. on a Sunday. Two blocks away from the police station. And this lovely gentleman walks up to me and said, I would love to get your help getting something out of my car. And I was like, all right, that's cool. What do you need? And we walk over to this like empty parking stall and he like corners me in it and he says like, I'm going to need your wallet and your keys. I looked at him and I just don't understand why he would need my wallet and my keys to get something out of his car. So I just kind of stared at him for a second (laughs) and he was just like now and just looked really mean for a second. And I'm like, what, what is going? And then suddenly I realized what was happening and then I got really upset because I was like, this guy thinks that I'm a p- like he th- like at the time that was the dialogue that went in my head. Apologies for the foul, foul language, everyone. I know I'm famous for dropping f bombs on the podcast. But I'm trying to to hold my <laughs> yeah. My well, it's also together. like everything built up to this moment. Like you've been, you were having a pretty bad day at that mm-hmm, point. Mm-hmm. I was. I just saw red and like. My car was worth probably a thousand dollars at the time, maybe. Um, you know, I had golf clubs in the trunk that were probably worth more than the car. So, and you do see red, man. I've gotten in one serious fight in my life, and it was yeah. in a hockey game. And this yeah. dude, I was trying to break up a fight, and this guy mm. cross-checked me like as hard as you could, and and I just got up, and I swear I was seeing red, and I tackled him. And then he just flipped me over and just beat the ever-loving crap out of me. I remember seeing a video of this I hockey know. fight. I was, was so. Amazing. Do you remember? So we were. That was a guy from Kearney, Nebraska, and yeah. uh, we were playing them again at the end of the season. And I invited all of my friends because I'm like, I'm going to oh. take this guy down, <laughs> dude. And, Continue your story. Sorry, and all, like the ending of that story is my coach did the smart move and just never put me out on the ice whenever that guy was out there. That's funny. That's really funny. <laughs> yeah. So, anyways, so dude, that mugging. reminds me. Yeah. Hang on, hang on. Speaking of Nebraska, uh huh. So we. Okay, just remind remind me to tell you another story after I finish this story. Okay, sweet man. About Nebraska. Okay. Okay. Anyway, okay. all right. So. Um, so I basically take my keys out at that point and it's almost like I'm watching myself do this because I would never actually do this if, if I had like my, if I was in my right mind, so I was like watching myself take my keys out of my pocket, pretending that I was going to hand them to him and then tossing them behind him. And I, for context at the time I was training with the UNI wrestling team to prepare for a fight that I was going to have in Seattle uh, with this guy named Ted Worthington, who was, I was like three and O professional at the time. This guy was 56 and 10. (laughs) He was a full-time journeyman professional fighter who had so much in-ring experience. I had none. And so I was like, but I, I thought I was going to win. Turns out, like, I didn't end up going and taking that fight. I ended up dropping out because it was during finals week. And I was like, nope, I'm going to, like, you know, take my school seriously and blah, blah, blah. Anyway, um, the guy that ended up taking that fight, um, people who are hearing this podcast might know him. His name is Tyrone Woodley, and he became the 185-pound UFC champion, and he's a complete and total savage. Anyway. Um, so you throw your keys behind this mugger. I throw my keys behind this guy, 
And then I'm like, I am going to practice this wrestling move that I'm so enjoying right now. And it was called a blast double. And I like shot in for this completely showcase WWE double leg, like pick him up and slam him onto the cement, landing on him as hard as I can. And I feel something pinch on my right thigh and I look down and there's a five inch blade stuck in my leg um, my shirt is torn open at this point and there's a knife stuck through my khaki shorts and I like just stare at it for a second and then I back I like back up on my knee and I'm like I just start screaming at him like screaming obscenities at him and he like looks at me wide-eyed like, he doesn't know what just happened. In hindsight, I don't think he meant to stab me. I think I literally landed on his knife. And um, he runs away. And I'm just sitting there in this, like, parking stall. And I'm thinking to myself, I've seen this movie before. And if this person who's been stabbed takes the knife out of his leg, he's going to bleed out because it's, like, a nicked an artery and he's going to be dead in two minutes and... So I'm like, I'm not going to move this thing at all. Um, I'm going to just sit here and call my buddy upstairs. Instead of 911, I'm going to call my buddy upstairs to sanity check myself because this couldn't have actually happened. <laughs> yeah. So I call him and he's like, you, I'm like, I got stabbed in your parking garage. And he's like, you did not. Yeah. He's like, I'll be right down to let you in. He thought and you so were he joking. He thought I was like trying to like play a practical joke on him or something. Yeah. He comes down in the parking garage and he's like peeking around cars like I'm going to jump out and scare him. And he sees me just sitting there in this parking stall. He's like, oh, my God, you got stabbed. You're like, you weren't messing around. And I'm like, yeah, I'm telling you the truth. So <laughs> call 911 and they send one police officer to arrest the people that are prank calling them. What? And no way. I didn't know that. Yeah. He gets there and he's like, wow, so you actually got stabbed. This wasn't a prank call. Um, okay, let's call the ambulance. And the ambulance is like, oh, my God, you got stabbed. Like, we can actually work on something that's not a motorcycle accident for the first time in forever. Um, and, and so they brought me to the hospital. And at this, time, at this point, the only way that I can cope with the situation is humor and hitting on the nurses. Yeah. Oh, I and, remember that because like, you guys called me or Brady called me or whatever, or I called him or I called you or something. And cause we just, we had just gotten home and I was like, Hey, we just got home. If you want to come over and one of you guys is like either, I think maybe I called you and you're like, I'm in an ambulance. I just got stabbed. And I did the same yeah. exact thing as Brady and the cops and the ambulance where I was like, ha, no, you didn't. And you're like, uh -huh. no, dude, I'm uh -huh. going to the hospital right now. And in my mind, I'm like, okay, we've pranked each other before. Like uh -huh. he's, it's, I wouldn't put it past him to play this out where I go all the way to the hospital and they're just sitting outside the steps of the emergency room, like laughing. Like yeah. I was like, they could take it to that extreme. So I was like, okay, man, sure you are. I'll be down there in a second. And I drove all the way there the whole way. I'm like, these guys are messing with me. There's no way. Uh -huh. And of uh -huh. course I get there. Brady's in the, uh, the waiting room and they take us back and you have this, like, you have this like knife, this multi-tool just sticking into your leg. 
Yeah, it was like a craftsman multi multi tool. Yeah, um, like a fold out blade with like pliers and like uh, all this, all these other things. Um, and I, at one point, I remember the like the cops coming in and Brady's like, "Do they have cameras in the parking garage?" And the guy's like, "No, <laughs> <laughs> sorry." Yeah. Um, and and so, um, basically, like they took me back to get it x-rayed and it ended up the blade ended up being super close to the femoral artery yeah and um the the, the nurse was like you got really lucky today and this time i'm like morphined out of my mind you are like the blade was sitting in my leg for like four hours before they took it out so much so that your mom walked in and your mom like she would have freaked out having known like she was freaking out already because you were stabbed she was like yeah, crying and, and like her, my dad drove up and like after them being in the, in like the hospital room for like two hours, yeah. my mom, God rest her soul was like, Oh my God, is that the knife? Yeah. Cause it didn't, it looked like this weird tool was just like in like, your leg. It looked like she thought it was like a clamp, like yeah. holding the wound shut. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, yeah, mom, what did you think we were doing here? Um, so they ended up taking it out. Which Very I, carefully. I watched. I watched when yeah. they took it out because I was also kind of like, remember it. well, I remember being like, I don't want to see this, but when is the next time you're going to have a chance, hopefully never, to see a knife come mm-hmm. out of your friend's leg? <laughs> so yeah. I watched it and it was shocking how big of a blade that was. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And they took like a gallon jug of saline with a super long nozzle. Cause the puncture wounds are the ones that are super dangerous. Cause they can get really dirty and infected. Um, yeah. Yeah. And like the stuff will get way in there. So their protocol is they'll stick this huge nozzle oh. into your leg and they'll squeeze all of the saline into your leg. And so it's just overflowing onto the floor and they just don't give a shit. And they're like, whatever, this is what's going to happen. <laughs> um, and we'll clean it up later. But they squeeze all of it into your leg to just wash out anything that might be in there. Um, and so I'm like, okay, like this is, this is, you know, and I'm just so high on morphine right now, which in hindsight, I understand why people get addicted to that stuff because it was so awesome. Um, but anyway, <laughs> like, <laughs> anyway. Side note, side note. Side note, <laughs> drugs are great. Anyway, well, if you. If you look at the like organic chemistry of morphine, it's extremely close to the organic chemistry of like heroin. Yeah, I'm sure. Which is insane, man. Um, but anyways, yeah. Side note: Don't do drugs. Side okay. note: Side note: Drugs are awesome. Side note: um, No, they're not. <laughs> <laughs> um. So yeah, I mean, so, I got super lucky, and they took the knife out of my leg. They stitched it closed. You were freaked uh, out like, that night. Like it came. I was freaked out. I remember. But, but um, like they stitched <laughs> my dad called my ex-girlfriend my like he thought that she was my current girlfriend. He's like, I better call this girl and tell her that Travis is in the hospital so she can come down. And later she ends up calling me and is like, your dad called me like what an idiot. And I'm like, oh, my God, you're a, you're like a terrible person. You know, I, I just like got stabbed and my dad was being a nice person and called you and you're like gonna get weird about it. So that was a wake up call. Thankfully dodged that bullet. Yeah. But, um, anyway, so 
turns out the blade went like it was like vertical in my leg so um, it didn't sever too many muscle fibers so I actually was like jogging again like 10 days and three weeks later I was in Thailand training that's awesome um, man yeah, it's with, cool like, like world champions. it's cool that you used this horrible thing that I'm sure you wish never happened mm-hmm. um, but you used it to propel you forward which is yeah. super cool. And like have this amazing experience uh, that we'll have to talk about next time. <laughs> yeah. Well, before we go. Uh, Nebraska. I have, yeah. I have to tell this story quick. So I'm dating a woman right now um, who is incredible and is uh, an amazing actress who shoots a TV show in Vancouver. And so I decided, okay, I mean, if I'm going to go on this ride, I'm going to go up and I'm going to relocate to Vancouver for the duration of her shooting schedule for six months. And that's what we decided to do on May 25th. We reloaded her now hour, two cats and a dog, uh, into the RV, and we start traveling up the coast. Which, dude, and we, I was so, so tempted fun. to ask about the cat, but we'll have to share that one at a, another. Travis... Yeah put the most effort into finding a lost cat than anyone humanly possible. Like, cause so, you're just such a good dude. Yeah. Oh, I appreciate that. And we'll tell that story on a later date for sure. <laughs> okay. But <laughs> we return the RV, like we get up to Vancouver, unload the RV, take the RV back. We're, we're taking the RV back to Everett, Washington to return it. And we're, like, pressed for time. We have to get there before 5 or we have to pay for a whole another day, right? Um, and so we're, like, we might make it if we don't get stopped for too long. And we get to the border, and we give the border agent our passports. Um, and he's, like, where's home? And I'm, like, oh, Los Angeles. And my girlfriend's, like, oh, and Vancouver. I, you know, own a property there, and I, I'm an actress. And he's, like, he looks at her phone, and he's, like, oh, and Vancouver? That's interesting. And he like reads something on the screen. He's like, actually, we're seeing something that we need to check out. Can you guys pull off the road and, and like, um, you know, come inside? And I'm like, I look over and I'm like, man, you shouldn't have told him. And Vancouver you should have just said L.A. She's like, what? Like, this should not be something that you have to pull off the road for. So we get inside. And we're both kind of stressing about time a little bit. And we get up to the border agent. And he's like, um he looks at her and he's like, actually you have a warrant. And I think he's talking to her. And then he looks at me. (laughs) He's like, you have a warrant for your arrest and you're wanted in the state of Nebraska. (laughs) I'm like, what? Cause I've never been arrested in my life. And I'm, I'm like, what do you mean? He's like, Oh yeah. It looks like a failure to appear in court charge. You got a, you got like, there's a warrant out for your arrest for a speeding ticket for going five miles an hour over the speed limit <laughs> in Nebraska in 2008. 2008? <laughs> <laughs> and so I'm a wanted criminal right now in the state of Nebraska. Allegedly. Like, allegedly. <laughs> Sorry, I had like, to cover he's you. Like, um, he's like, I don't think we're going to stop you for this. Like, you're fine. Here are your options. You can either take care of it or he's like, I probably shouldn't be saying this, but don't go back to Nebraska. <laughs> i'm like okay like oh and then they let us in sucks to take that state off my can't go to list yep so so um 
so like the whole rest of the trip and she looked at me and she kept looking at me and being like yeah i really shouldn't have told him that i was like also living in canada right <laughs> and so i called my dad i'm like oh god she's giving me endless amounts of shit and he's like yeah and you gotta sit there and take it because you are wanted in the state of nebraska as a criminal so yeah what do you do do you just pay it like pay a fine i, I don't know no it's like a, a, f- grant a for, 10-year for fine a, yeah for a, a failure to appear in court fine it's like a couple grand that's crazy man so i don't know what i'm gonna do dude they can probably just won't go back to nebraska i know but they can also like put in for something to get your license taken away i think I mean, uh, they can like suspend your state driver's license, exactly. driver's license in the state of Nebraska. They could suspend it. Oh, gotcha. But I don't have the state Nebraska state driver's license. So because like super long story short, when we were driving back from Monument Valley, Lindsay got pulled over in Blanding, Utah by like the nicest cop in the world. Except yeah. that he kept being like, oh, I just I feel so bad about pulling over because Lindsay's never gotten pulled over. She's like a goody goody two shoes. And yep. he's like, I feel bad about pulling you over. Like, uh, I just wish I could let you go. And in my mind, I was just sitting there being like, and just let her go. Like, you can't. Yeah, you totally can. You could do it easily by it just saying, keep driving, watch your speed. And anyways, yep. so she got a ticket. And the very next Monday or whatever, the next day or so, I paid it. Like, I sent it in. I did the payments. Like, I paid it off, you know, like you're supposed to. Yeah. And then about two months later we get a call kind of or a letter in the mail kind of the same deal where it's like you're wanted in the state of utah because you didn't pay the speeding ticket and i was like what do you mean like i paid it and it turned out like this is just like a super boring into the story but like i paid the county when i should have paid the city or vice versa like something so Uh dumb as that and I'm like, what? And it took. You gave the city money. Like, basically. Like, cool. Thanks. Yeah. It. And it took like an entire week to like sort it out where I was like, don't suspend my wife's license, you know? Like, yeah. I don't know. It was bizarre. But That's anyways, dude. Hysterical. You're a fascinating guy, Travis Stefan. And Thank I, you, bro. I love having you on the show, my man. I love having you on the show. Whoa. Whoa. That means that's awesome, dude. No, dude, it honestly, like, I know I've said it to you many times and I don't even feel like I need to say it like on air, but like, you're my best friend and I love you and you're awesome. So I love you too, brother. All right, man. We'll get back at you. All right, man. See ya. Enjoy Vancouver. We'll do. All right. Bye. Okay. That wraps up the show. Uh, Thanks, Travis. You're always super fun to talk to. Um, and I'm glad we get to do the podcast too, because that way I get to remember some of the crazy stuff and crazy stories that you have. So thanks brother. Um, if you guys are enjoying the show, I did, I meant to do this in the intro, but I forgot. So we are rapidly approaching number 100. Um, so we have two more episodes in three weeks. It'll be episode 100. It would be so cool to do something special for that show but I have no idea what to do. So I guess what I'm asking you guys, if you have any ideas of what we could do for episode number 100 of this podcast, shoot me an email, likeabigfoot at gmail.com. Um, yeah, I don't know. I want to do something really cool though. <laughs> I'm just not sure what. I haven't really allowed my brain to start thinking about that yet because I think I'm still kind of in shock that I've done 97 of these episodes. Um, 
Also, my mind has been consumed lately by the Desert Rats stage race, which is coming up for me in a week and a half. Uh, if you are listening to the show and it is June, the week of June 18th through the 23rd, just know that I will be in the desert from Fruita, Colorado to Moab, sweating profusely. Um, I just spent the last few days putting in three big training days, three big long runs in a row. Uh, I used a little bit of the whole strategy of exploring new areas. So two of the runs were in a completely new area to me. Uh, Got a whole bunch of elevation gain on one up to this beautiful, pristine mountain lake that was frozen over. No one else around. It was just such a wonderful morning, Uh, minus the post holing for about half a mile there. Um, and then the second run I did in Roxborough state park, I was trying to get some heat training and it was like 95 degrees in Denver. So I ran up a mountain in Roxborough and then I went down into this Valley, uh, that connected with the Colorado trail. And that was a whole bunch, like a giant hill at one point. Uh, and then yesterday I ran kind of my normal run, but it's out in the sun, no shade, uh, really trying to put in the miles and put in the heat training. Um, as best as possible. And then today is going to be a rest day slash go to the gym, ride on the exercise bike and finish this Stephen King book I'm reading. That's kind of the big plans I have. Um, so that's been kind of consuming my mind lately. I am still very nervous about it, but I'm gaining a lot of confidence because once you put in the training, you what you're doing is you're physically training your body, blah, blah, blah. Everyone gets that. Um, You can even mentally kind of like train your mind for these long events and, and stuff. But emotionally you are training confidence because you push yourself through. Like I didn't want to run 20 miles yesterday in 90 degrees, but I made myself do it. And then I got finished and I just had a little bit more confidence that I'm going to be fine during this race because I put in about 60 miles over three days. My legs obviously are a bit tired but they they feel like they can withstand uh i trained in the heat so i know i can withstand that and i worked out some strategies so really i'm uh strategies for like hydration and uh replacing electrolytes all that but really at the end of the day i'm I'm working on confidence here and i i'm feeling fairly confident fairly i'm feeling pretty confident at this point um that I'm going to be able to struggle through this race. Uh, it'll be probably the hardest thing I've, I'll have ever done. But I do know that I have a strength inside of me that can that can get it done. So, so yeah, uh, if you guys are curious, I'm pretty sure you can go to the Gemini Adventures Facebook group during the race. And I'm not sure how much cell phone service we'll have out there. So, um I'm not sure if they'll be posting something every day, but I think there will be updates through that week, which once again is 18th through the 22nd or 23rd. Um, Yeah. And I'm hoping to have some great stories out of there. That's because, you know, that's the best part is uh, (laughs) you line up at the start line and you just know I'm going to learn something about myself and I'm going to have some great stories after this. So. So yeah, anyways, uh, hope you guys come back next week. I'm still, the plan is to still put out podcasts, even though I'll be doing that race that week. And then I'm doing a family vacation the week after. So the week after that Desert Rat stage race, you're probably not going to hear a race report or a race update. Um, And I'm not 100% sure I'm going to be able to put an 
an episode out, which will be the first time I missed a week in this whole kind of quest. Uh, hopefully I'll be able to. I think I can actually schedule it to, to be released on a certain day. So I'm hoping that's the case. But if it is not, then I will be back the next week uh, to give you probably a pretty major race report for the few weeks after that. Because I'll probably do my own race report and then interview a few people I meet on on the journey. So, all right, uh, super long update there. Uh, if you guys have ideas for episode number 100, which actually now that I look at it might fall around the time uh, I will be finishing that race. So maybe we'll just do that race report. Um, but if you guys have any other good ideas, uh, just let me know. Shoot me an email, likeabigfoot at gmail.com. That would rock. All right, that's it for the week. Hope you guys are enjoying this podcast. I'm loving doing it. Thank you so much for listening. See you next week.